commitments, 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 commitments. Welcome into the regular signing period for the class of 2022. I'm Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, the first Wednesday in February used to be the biggest day in college football recruiting. It's been replaced now by that early signing period in December. Yeah, it's kind of more of uh, putting the finishing touches on your recruiting class than it is, you know, the big day that it used to be. What are your thoughts on this new recruiting calendar we've had for a few years now with both the December and February signing periods? Well, you know, being an old guy and having followed this for years all the way back to when it was, you know, recruiting wasn't a thing. And then it was magazines that they sent you. And, and, it, and for all of that time, that first Wednesday in February was the day. I mean, it was almost, almost bigger than the season itself because it was all packed into one day. You know, you, and the you, you, nowadays it seems like you always know what's going to happen on either signing day, early signing day, uh, late signing day. Uh, back then, it always seemed like you'd go into the day and there'd be four or five, six big surprises that you didn't see coming and what have you. Um, and and it, I think it was fun. I think it would it gave people a lot more time to make their decisions. It gave kids an opportunity to get out on visits. You know, I think the schools are in the middle of their bowl games. If they're going to bowl games, not a problem for us recently too much, but uh, kids might be in playoffs and what have you. So I think it, I think it takes away a, a, a little bit of the fun of the signing day, the way it used to be. And then I think it, uh, puts a lot of pressure on kids to make decisions maybe before they're ready to do so. And I think it really seems like kids feel like they need to sign in that early period for the most part. And so I wonder if that doesn't make them choose before they're ready, but you know, now the transfer portal, I guess they can fix that pretty quick. Yeah. I'd like them to go to kind of more of what the basketball model is where you'd have like a, a true early signing period, maybe in late July. And then if, a player signs with a school and that school has a coaching change, then they can kind of go through the recruiting process again and then sign in early February. And for those kids that don't want to sign in the summer, they can, you know, finish up their high school season and still enjoy the holidays around their family and get out and take visits in, in January and then make their decision. There, there have been talks about the fact that they might tweak this schedule again. So we'll see what it looks like going forward, but uh, just reflecting on Colorado's recruiting efforts here recently, they did sign 21 prospects in that early signing period. And that they also inked Ashton Logan, who was a punter that had great shirt last year. There's some guys that signed after the first day of the early signing period, cornerback Jason Oliver signed after the first day of that junior college inside linebacker, Isaac Hurtado, and then edge, edge player Shaquan Bowser. Those guys all signed after the first day of the early signing period. So they didn't get as much of the spotlight on them as some of those other early signees, but we did talk about them on a buff stampede right. radio with this regular signing period that uh, begins today. The buffs are expected for 2022 recruits and that's prep offensive lineman van Wells from Texas junior college offensive tackle Alex Harkey also from Texas and running back Anthony Hankerson 
out from out in Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas had a great high school career there, one of the top programs in the country. And the other addition here for the regular signing period is junior college safety. Jeremy Mack played at East Mississippi Community College last year, played some nickelback as well there and factor it in at either of those positions for the buffs. Uh, definitely a, a position of need. Yeah, definitely. And he's, he's a good looking player. Uh, his film from safe from uh, the junior college looks pretty good. Six foot one ninety. So he's got the size to play that. You see him in the, in that video playing a little nickel, playing a little free safety. Uh, I like that he comes up and supports the run. He's, he's not afraid to uh, hit in the open field and seems to have an eye for the ball. Had four interceptions last year. Uh, so, so really kind of a playmaker and a mills for the ball. And a guy I think comes in and really uh, has an impact and competes for one of those positions. I feel like I know, uh, you know, who you might like out of this group. But let me throw it to you, though. You know, with Van Wells coming on board, Alex Farkey and Anthony Hankerson, who, who do you like out of that group? Well, uh, who who did you think? I'm just curious to know before I throw it out there. Uh, my guess would have been Van Wells. I always stick with the old lineman with you. Yeah, I you know so you you'd ask me about uh, which one of the the, the four guys we talked about really uh, gets me the most excited. Quite frankly, it's Anthony Hankerson okay. because his film was just electric to watch. It's just he just a little bit of Eric Bieniemy in there, uh, you know. It was just an enjoyable film to watch. And you look at him and think, man, that guy could really come in and help us out. And if he's going to gray shirt, you know, come in a little bit later and, and kind of balance out the classes a little bit. So I thought I was super excited with him. I liked them all, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so I think all of them add to positions of need on the team and, and will help us out um, some sooner than others. Hankerson is probably going to gray shirt, which means he would delay his enrollment until next January. Now, if the Buffs have a severe injury at running back, they could bring him out this summer. This is a guy that had a ton of big time offers early in the process. In the end, though, it came down to Florida International, where Mike McIntyre is a head coach and CU. And, and he was kind of torn because, you know, the thought of staying in state was kind of an attractive option to him. Right. Uh, a guy that I, maybe because he took his time with the process and didn't commit early. And that's why he didn't have more of those big time committable right. offers, but put up huge numbers was a two time County player of the year. And one of the best counties Broward County for high school football nationally wins three straight seven, eight championships in Florida. So yeah, there is a lot to yeah. like about him. And I think, I think, you know, that goes back to what we were just talking about with the early signing period, you know, you, you could have all those offers in the world, but if they sign their guys that they need, you know, you're, unless you're one of those five star, we're going to save a spot for you guys. Those offers go away. You know, if, if, if you want to go to Florida and, and they offer you, but they, then they get commits from three running backs they're not that offer is going to go away. So he didn't sign early. And, and a lot of those offers offers were not available at this point, but you look at what he does on film and it's just crazy. He can't, I mean, they can't bring him down. He's got great vision. He's got great, great change of direction and acceleration. Uh, he's just really exciting to watch as a running back. Of course, to play for Hagen, he'll have to show he can catch the ball and block and pass protection, things like that. But, uh, you know, he's just got a kid with great balance, makes people miss and, for his size is very physical. So I, I'm very excited about him. I think he's really going to add to our uh, running back room right from the start. Ben Wells is a guy that is 
tabbed as a center. He, he comes in as a center signee, but he was converted f- from playing tight end to offensive line. This is a guy when the, the pandemic really hit and things were shut down. I'm sure a lot of kids his age were happy to just sit around and play video games, but right. Van Wells got into the weight, into the weight room and put on a lot of really good weight. I think he told me 40 pounds right. and he comes out in his final two years at the high school level is an all league <laughs> offensive lineman. And he did have a couple power five offers early. Again, those options kind of dried up as you know, other kids committed. Yeah. He was a Louis Louisiana committed at one point and then kind of reopened things when Colorado got in the mix and, this seems like a pretty good get for the, for the Buffs. What, what are your thoughts on Van Wells? I like him a lot. I like his film. I like that he was a tight end for his first couple of years and he's, that he's mobile and took that time. You know, the fact that he got in the weight room during the pandemic tells me that he's going to be all right as a lineman because the weight room is, is everything and working on technique and kind of grinding like that, that. That tells me he's got the work ethic. But his film is fantastic. You know, he comes in at, at 6'2", 290. Um, and so he, he, the guy that he makes me think of is Dan Munyer, who's been playing in the NFL for six years and started for three years at CU for at center at almost exactly the same size, except I think he's more physical than Munyer was uh, in high school and, and in his time at CU. So he, he just, if you watch his film, he's fun to watch too, because he just buries guys and every single play, he's looking to put somebody on the ground, which is exactly what you want. The other thing I like about him is very quick off the ball. So it's hard to get a center who can snap and step at the same time. A lot of times it's, it's a snap and then step. And even if it's a fraction of a second, you got a big 300 pound guy, three inches from your face mask. And and that half a second makes all the difference. So I like him. He's fast off the ball. He's physical and aggressive, uses hands. Well, Um, I think he's going to be more one of the unsung players in this, in this class, meaning by that, that, uh, you know, he's going to play, I think he's going to play early in a lot, not his first year, probably he'll need some time, but I also like that he's coming in um, to play for Kyle Devan who played center and guard and is really going to be able to teach him how to make the most out of that position. And then I mentioned Alex Harkey, who's coming in from the junior college ranks. He was also a a converted player. He was more of a defensive lineman and tight end at the high school level, goes to Tyler junior college in Texas and missed four games, but still had a really good season there. And is another guy that's put on a ton of weight. Yeah. And I like the way he looks too. And I saw they did a little of, video that came out of him at CU, uh, like a little, you know, putting on his helmet and his shoulder pads and standing there with the coaches. And he, he's, he looks good. He's got big lineman size, got a little bit of that power five lineman belly there and uh, got some thickness. But what I like is that there's a lot of room on his upper body to add weight. So if he's six six three hundred now, he could easily be 310, 320 in a couple of years with Turley. And I think he's a guy that's going to be in the mix at one of those tackle spots right from the start. I I, I do like his technique. He's got a long way to go, but for a guy just as his first year playing tackle, he he looked pretty good in his technique. Uses hands really well, um, and I, I like that he's able to get up to the next level and block linebackers. He looks really good out in the open field blocking on poles and things like that against defensive backs. So his athleticism, he's tenacious. He holds block, finishes well, plays with a little nasty and still has a lot of room for improvement. So I like him as a signee. And I, and I think I say that I, I think he could be in a mix of tackle, which maybe says more about our situation at tackle right now 
than it does about him. Um, but I think he's a guy that comes in and pushes people right off the bat because he's got the size for it. Harkey did have some group of five schools looking at him when he was a high school recruit, but he had to go the JUCO route to shore up his academics. He'll do that and, and close out that chapter at Ju- Tyler Junior College this spring, then join the Buffs this summer with three years of eligibility remaining. William, just as important as high school recruiting is now, maybe even more so in terms of importance, is transfer portal recruiting. And the Buffs have brought in four transfers that are on campus for spring ball. They're able to go through winter strength and conditioning, able to go through spring ball. And that's cat, quarterback Maddox Cop, edge player Chance Main, receiver R.J. Sneed, and offensive lineman Tommy Brown. And then they're going to bring in Sam Houston State running back Ramon Jefferson. He was a second-team FCS All-American 2021. Again, I think I know the answer to this question here. <laughs> I, I'm more certain with this one. Uh, but which, which of those transfers coming in are you most excited about? Well, Tommy Brown was the guy I liked coming out of high school, you know, and I think I, I, I really seem to feel like he gave us a, a, a look at least coming out of high school and um, was one of the top recruits in the country back then. And, you know, since then he's been in the Alabama program, working with their strength coaches, working with their offensive line coaches. Now he comes in at, you know, he's listed six, seven, three, ten, uh, and I'm sure he's pretty close to that. And, played tackle and guard at Alabama and and I think he comes in and is if not the best lineman on our team one of the top two or three right off the bat from day one and we'll see what uh, Devan does with him whether he puts him at guard or tackle I'd be very surprised if they don't at least take a look at him and tackle and see what he can do out there but I'm super excited about him I think uh, you bring a guy that's been in the Alabama program for three or four years they know how to win they know how to work hard they know how to put team ahead of self and aside from just being a a really good looking player, I think he brings a lot of intangibles from that experience to the buffs, especially being here for spring ball and winter conditioning. So I'm super excited about him. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I hear the talk about him playing guard, but I'd be kind of surprised if he's not one of those tackles. Unless, unless unless there's really, you know, like if, if Wiley really shows improvement or somebody else can fill one of those tackle spots and you need him at guard, that's fine too. Maddox Cop was an elite 11 finalist out of high school, redshirted at Houston. I, I think you still probably think that JT Shrout and Brennan Lewis have a better chance to get the starting gig just because Cop is still young, but he does, you know, add competition there, adds more depth. You still have Drew Carter in the program. You're going to bring in Owen McCown this summer. Oki Salave is going to get his first shot at quarterback. So finally, you have a lot of bodies in that room right. projecting ahead to 2022. So you're not in a situation like you were this last year where you only had two scholarship quarterbacks. Was One was, was, you know, both were freshmen. So right. you know, at least you're in a better situation there. RJ, and I, and I, I, think, I think also with Cop. He's in a good position because uh, everybody starts out with the new offensive coordinator. Everybody's starting out at the same level as far as knowing this offense. They all have to learn it from scratch. So that gives him, uh, I wouldn't say an advantage, but it means the others don't have an advantage because of having played in that offense already. Yeah. And R.J. Sneed, he led Baylor in receiving two years ago, finished second on their team in receiving last year. A guy that I think you – put in Penn probably that he's going to be a starting receiver this, this year, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he, you know, I, I think he's our most proven wide receiver from day one, as far as what we have coming back. And um, certainly I would think he's, he's been going against power five 
quality power five opposition for uh, three years now and proven that he can do it at this level. Uh, so I think he'll, he's a guy that's going to come in. Quite frankly, I think he's a, a fair trade for the guys we lost. Um, you know, obviously we lost more than one guy, but I think he's as good as any of the guys who transferred out at that wide receiver position. So I feel very, really good about that. It's, it's, it's nice to get a guy, you know, there's no question marks about Snead. You know, why, you know, how can we want to start? He is one of their receiving leaders the last two years, and he knows what to do at this level. So I expect him to come in and not miss a beat from day one. Plus, you know, it's his last year, and he knows he has to make something happen. Chance Main's an interesting addition. He was at Independence Community College, was on Last Chance U. He went to Incarnate Word, had some success there. And then he had shoulder in, uh, shoulder surgery and was having a hard time finding a place to land. Florida State did almost bring him in, though. He was, uh, you know, if they didn't hadn't got their other top priority at edge, he was going to be the guy that they brought in. That didn't work out. And, and he's right. here in Boulder. Seems to have a, a really good attitude about it. You know, he, he kind of, uh, I've got nothing to lose, so I'm going to put it all out there on the line right. with his last year of college eligibility. Well, and he, he, he certainly got the work ethic to, to to do it, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that's a, a weight room junkie and, and, uh, you know, he has shoulder surgery. It, it's, if I understand his timeline correctly, they played last spring and then they played, and then they had another season in the fall. He missed the fall season with the shoulder surgery, but he played in that spring season. And, uh, I think he led the team in Saxon was third team all conference. So he was pretty, pretty solid. Um, in that season, and I found some film from that. He's very quick off the ball, come, plays out of a three-point stance and a two-point stance, and he's just one of those guys, I, I, I'm going to use the R word, relentless, um, who just uh, – I feel like that's a that's a word we're not allowed to use anymore. At, 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 uh, on the it's a good word, board. and Bill Tucker just had to ruin it for all right. of us, right? Yeah, gosh, man. So, uh, sorry, everybody. Um but you watch him, and he's one of those guys. One play that stuck out to me, he missed a tackle, and the guy reversed and ran across the field, and he got up and chased him down, and the guy still didn't make a yard. So I just love that kind of play. And uh, he does really well against big tackles. It's not clear to me what we're doing with this defense because we seem to be bringing in a lot of guys at his size, roughly 6'4", 260, which reads to me like a four-man front defensive end. Um so I don't know how we're going to use him. I don't think he's he's necessarily big enough to be that inside defensive end like we've been using the last few years, but he's certainly an edge player and could do it both standing up and with a hand in the ground. So uh, he, he's, he's a question mark to me. Um, and I know everybody likes to make the joke about incarnate word and what have you, but if a kid can play, he can play, and he's done well everywhere he's landed. And so we'll see what he does here. In the latest – transfer edition. Ramon Jefferson has an interesting story. He grew up in the Bronx. He went to Maine for a year, had success there, went to Independence Community College, had success there, transferred to Sam Houston State, helped them to an FCS championship in 2020, and then comes back and has a, a third, uh, was it second team? All second American, team All-American, yeah. Yes, season. So uh, bigger back, a, a guy that is certainly not afraid of contact. Oh my goodness! He, his his film is crazy. I just watch it over and over again on loop because he just they can't bring him down, you know. And uh, 
it's I, I understand it's FCS, but second team All American. That's that's a huge honor, and that says really something about him. There's so many backs at that level who who play well, but you know he's excelled at every single place he's been along the road. Um, and and I, I feel like we're like we're, we've made this segment out of all the jokes on the board. We got Maine, we got Incarnate Word, we got Relentless. We're just hitting all the marks uh, for everybody on the board there, but. This kid can play and you watch that film and, you know, like there's one play where he disappears into five or six guys. And then he comes out the other side and he's the only one standing. There's another one where he gets hit and he spins and he's running backwards and he maintains his balance. And he's just, I, I think, you know, he's going to give our backs a run for their money. He could very well be the starter based on what I see in that video. And the Buffs are going to be allowed to bring in four more players this summer. I would assume that's most likely going to be guys that are transferring in, guys that hit the transfer portal after spring ball. There's going to be another wave of guys that do hit that portal. You look at it, I still think they probably need to add another receiver and then maybe another defensive back. You know, you kind of go best available, but I also think, William, you're going to end up going and have a better idea after spring ball of right. how do these positions look are there some guys that step up in positions you didn't expect them to? And right, maybe right. maybe receiver isn't a need all of a sudden, or you know maybe right. you have a serious injury at a position and all right. of a sudden you need to fill in, fill in the gap here that you weren't well, anticipating at this point. It's it's good to have four scholarships, not right. knowing how spring ball is going to pan out. And, and I think if you stand and look at it right now, I'm not comfortable with the offensive tackle position. I'm not comfortable with the defensive tackle position. Maybe the coaches are. I don't know, but. Then you get to go through spring ball and, you know, maybe Wiley and uh, um, trying to remember, uh, Wiley and Phillip and, and uh, Harkey and Big Tank and, and Brown answer all the questions of tackle and you're good to go and you don't need another guy. Maybe you find, you know, who's going to be our starting center? I don't know. Maybe we come out of spring ball and we have an answer to that question and then we don't need to bring in another transfer offensive lineman. I think we don't have very much depth on that defensive line. Maybe those guys develop and show us something in spring. And so I do think it's a big advantage to kind of hold off and wait till the end of spring ball and see what your needs really are, especially with so many new coaches who don't really know their players yet until they've uh, run them through four weeks of practices. So I'm excited about it. Uh, at this point, I just want to wait and see what we do in spring and who develops and who can play before uh, making a list of where I want those players to be. And William, let's finish real quickly here. Just talk a little bit about 2023 recruiting. We got a lot of time to analyze all of that, but it does seem like these new assistant coaches have brought quite a bit of energy with them on the recruiting trail. They're starting to create a buzz and that was really needed following the disappointment of last season. Well, and I think especially in the last few weeks, all of a sudden we're seeing social media, we're seeing, Twitter, we're seeing Instagram, we're seeing videos, we're seeing photographs, we're seeing, uh, you know, all these coaches, they're videoing themselves from the locations where they're going to scout kids, and recruit kids. We all needed that as fans because we need to believe they're out there working hard and they got to show us because that's what we're all about is, is you got to show us because it's an entertainment business. And so there is a lot of excitement that's been generated recently with a lot of these new coaches and, and they're kind of spreading out all over the country. And so it is neat to see that. And, and I think it's a, a needed and it, it just feels to me like there's a lot more excitement and buzz than there was a year ago at this time. 
with that staff. So we'll see how it goes, I guess. We said it when Cam Beiser became CU's first commitment for 2023 that this is a guy that they're going to have to keep recruiting hard and, and fight to keep him on board. He had an eye-opening number of sacks as a junior, and he has added some offers. He's added four offers here in recent days, including an offer from Texas Tech. He's a, a Texas kid. So that's a guy that uh, people were excited about when he became the first commit, and Colorado's going to have to keep working to keep him on board, like I said. Right, and I don't think anybody's going to stop recruiting him because most, you know, most big-time Power 5 programs are going to figure, well, we can take him away from Colorado. And so they're going to have to keep after him. His number of sacks in that last season was was kind of ridiculous. It's, it's like a video game number, really. And so he's he's another one that's got kind of that in-betweener size, and it's going to be curious to see where we use him. But obviously, obviously they've told him what the defense is going to look like and sold him on the idea that he's a good fit for it. So the coaching staff must know what they're after um, and what they're planning to do. And, and so he's a guy I think that certainly will blow up and, and we're going to have a hard time keeping or not. Maybe he just loves us. We don't, right? we'll, we'll see. And then see so you of course got their quarterback for 2023 on board this week, Ryan Straub, a guy that looks really good on film was his league player of the year last year, a guy that. Uh, is a little bit more of a, a pocket passer, but he can get out there and run around a little bit. He's a good athlete. It's always good to get that quarterback on board early. Obviously, quarterbacks come off the board pretty quickly. So if you don't get one early on, you're starting to have right. to go plan B, plan C. And he's also a really personable young man. I think this is a guy that could be a catalyst and you know, really out there on social media helping put together this 2023 class. Right. You hope you hope so. And I think the the fact that he is committed to us this early suggests at least that that he's one of the top guys on our board, somebody we really wanted. And, uh, you know, I have to trust the staff on that. I mean, I'm not going to be able to evaluate a quarterback, but uh, if that's who they wanted, that's who they got. And, and um, again, having that quarterback on board helps you recruit wide receivers and offensive linemen and what have you. So that should be a good addition to our class. All right. Again, it's the regular signing period. Don't expect a lot of drama. I guess you never know. We weren't expecting Grand Page to commit during the early signing period. We're, we weren't expecting Kenny Source to, to flip. Uh, but again, I, I would be surprised if that happens. William, I appreciate you for kind of breaking it down here. Yeah, it's been it's always fun and, and appreciate doing it. And, uh, you know, we'll keep it keep it going and see where we're going from here. Be looking forward to spring ball.